So, brothers and sisters, we are here this evening to consider how our Savior, literally in history 2,000 years ago, He went and suffered a horrible death, but not because He deserved it, but because we do. And of course, in order to see more about Jesus and His cross, we could spend a lot of time in the crucifixion accounts themselves, and that's why we've been doing that a bit in the scripture readings already this evening. And so we could look there to look at more of what happened in history, but there is also another handful of passages that happened before the cross which uniquely show us what happened at the cross. There's passages that shed light on the cross before it even took place. Right? For example, we know that Jesus' cross wasn't random or that Jesus wasn't surprised by the cross because we have passages such as Mark 8, verse 31, where far in advance, Jesus is clear with his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer and be killed. And so we know the cross was Jesus' plan. Or, for example, we know that Jesus wasn't powerless or unable to stop the cross from happening if he wanted because we have passages such as Matthew 26 where Jesus is clear there that if he wanted, he could have asked the Father and the Father would have sent him, he said, 12 legions of angels to deliver him from the cross. Or finally, for example, we know that Jesus was not guilty, but he was innocent going to the cross because we have passages like Luke 23, verse 20, where Pilate amazingly examines Jesus and even declares to the crowds about Jesus, quote, I have found in him no guilt deserving death. And, and so there's a lot of passages where before the cross even takes place, we see a lot about what's going on. And I bring that up because I think that's also very true here in that scripture reading you just heard in John 18 where Jesus is betrayed. And on this account, there's a lot in here, but what we'll simply do together this evening is we are going to go through this account verse by verse, and in basic, we're going to see three things about Jesus and his cross here. Three things, and we can sum them up by asking three different questions. Three questions. And so first, we're going to ask, who is this Jesus who's going to the cross? And then second, we'll follow that up by asking, and what really was the cross that he was going to? And then finally, third, we'll ask, and why did he even do it? And so in summary, three questions. First, who is this Jesus? Second, what was his cross? And third, why did he do it? And again, in each of those, we will see a big truth about Jesus and his cross, but even more so, my prayer for all of us who came out here this evening is that we not only see truths, but through this, we be, may be more amazed and see how ama beautiful it is that Jesus really did this for us. Or to say it another way, since this is Good Friday, my prayer is that as we go through this account, as we go through this awful story in a way where Jesus is betrayed by one of his closest disciples and where we see that he'll soon go from here and be suffered and killed and whipped and tortured, my prayer is that through all that, we still may come to see afresh together why amazingly we can call all of that good. <laughs> but all that said, let's then begin our first section and first question together this evening, church. And here again, we are asking the question, so who is this Jesus who went to the cross? And I know we all in here probably know that answer to some degree, but seeing what God's word says in this account, I think will be helpful to us during this Easter season. And it's stunning as well. 
And so for this question, we're going to be just in verses 1 through 6 here, but we'll take the verses step by step to get the scene. And just so you know, in terms of where we are here in the gospel according to John, and in history here, well, Jesus just spent the last supper with his disciples, and he taught them for some time, and then he even prayed for them, and he even prays for us, which finally leads this to this happening in John 18. And so look down to your Bibles. We'll start with just verse 1. When Jesus had spoken these words, he went out with his disciples across the Kidron Valley where there was a garden which he and his disciples entered. And so what we see in history here is that Jesus and his disciples enter, as John says, just a garden. And from the other accounts, we know that this is the garden of Gethsemane. And in the other accounts, we know that in this garden, the disciples did things like fall asleep. And Jesus himself, he cries out to his father and sweats tears of blood, of agony, in anticipation of the horrors that are to come. And yet notice, in God's word, in John's account here, he doesn't mention any of that. Instead, John jumps right to what Judas did. And so what did Judas do? Well, now look at verses 2 and 3, verses 2 and 3. Now Judas, who betrayed him, also knew the place, for Jesus often met there with his disciples. So Judas, having procured a band of soldiers and some officers from the chief priests and the Pharisees, went there with lanterns and torches and weapons. And so Judas knew this place because Jesus and Judas and the other disciples apparently had been there. And knowing Jesus would be there, what did Judas do? Well, verse 3 is clear. He goes and gets a bunch of soldiers and officers from the chief priests and the Pharisees. And they come with lanterns and torches and weapons. And you can hear the detail in that verse because that's on purpose. Because John's point is, as for Jesus himself, he has never been violent up until this point. Well, he's never even hinted that his kingdom was a military one. And in fact, he said the opposite. And yet, Judas goes and he gets soldiers from the religious leaders. And they even come with a bunch of weapons. And so that's the scene. Which then now leads us to the most important verses on this section where we'll truly see now who this Jesus is who's going to the cross. And so now look what happens in verses 4 through 6. Verses 4 through 6. Then Jesus, knowing all that would happen to him, came forward and said to them, Whom do you seek? They answered him, Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus said to them, I am he. Judas, who betrayed him, was standing with them. When Jesus said to them, I am he, they drew back and fell to the ground. <laughs> so, so to begin on those verses, just look again at how John begins in verse 4. In verse 4, because it's fascinating. So Jesus is about to be betrayed. And to these disciples, this was a surprise. But what about to Jesus? <laughs> well, John clearly writes, then Jesus, knowing all that would happen to him, in other words, our Lord knows exactly what's about to happen. And so what does happen? Well, notice first, Jesus is the one who initiates the conversation. He doesn't run from this mob. Instead, he initiates talking to them. And what does he say? Well, he says, whom do you seek? And then hearing that, they respond with Jesus of Nazareth. And all that makes sense because remember, it's kind of dark and a lot of these soldiers probably didn't know exactly what Jesus looked like. And so they answer Jesus' questions. But then... What happens next is the clear climax of this section. 
So, so, so they asked that. And, and remember, Jesus re- initiated this conversation, but why? Well, all so that he could answer and show them and so that Jesus could show us who he truly is. Because how does Jesus answer them? Verse 5, they answered him, Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus said to them, I am. And I know in the ESV, it does add the word he to try to make it less awkward sounding in English. But literally in Greek, it is not I am he. Instead, as you can see in the footnote, if you're reading the ESV, Jesus just literally says the words, I am. Ego a me. I am. And this is a huge deal because that is the same exact Greek phrase that they use to translate when God emphatically talked to Moses at the burning bush. Ego a me. I am. And so Jesus says that. And because of that, what happens? Verse 6. When he said to them, I am, they drew back and fell to the ground. <laughs> And that is an incredible scene in church. That's then who this Jesus is who's going to the cross. And now again, I know for most of us, we probably know that. Right? And here in John's gospel, John himself has already told us that from the first paragraph in this whole book, right? Where he says that Jesus is the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was, is God. And so we know Jesus is the I Am. And yet still, I I do think that when we think of Jesus' cross, that is so hard for us to grasp. Because we can think that Jesus was mainly just a victim. Or worse, we can assume that Jesus was subject to the whims of Judas, or Pilate, or the crowds. But he ultimately wasn't. Instead, when all of this really all starts to go down, Jesus himself goes out of his way here to prove who he is. (laughs) And who is he? He is the I am, willingly going to the cross. And so that's our first question here, which now leads us to move on and ask our second question. And for this, we're now just going to ask, and what then was the cross that this God-man, the I am, was going to? And for this, we're actually going to skip verses 7 through 9. For now, we'll come back to them in our third section. And instead, just look at verses 10 and 11. Verses 10 and 11. So we're still in the same scene. A little more dialogue has occurred. And then this happens. So look down your Bibles, verses 10 and 11. Then Simon Peter, having a sword, drew it and struck the high priest's servant and cut off his right ear. The servant's name was Malchus. So Jesus said to Peter, put your sword into its sheath. Shall I not drink the cup that the Father has given me? And so again, here we see that Jesus doesn't want to stop this. And he could have stopped this. He's proved that. Because think about it. If he can make this large mob of armed soldiers all fall down with just two words, I am. Then of course, if he wanted, he could have stopped this whole arrest from happening. He didn't need Peter's sword. Right, and so that's intriguing. But then, for our question of, but what was this cross, though, that Jesus was going to? Well, we'll look again at verse 7, because Jesus tells Peter to put his sword away as he's determined to go to the cross. But why? What was the cross? Quote, shall I not drink the cup that the Father has given me? And now we can spend a whole message on that picture of the cup from the Old Testament to the New Testament. But in short, the cup here that Jesus is referencing is the cup of God's judgment. 
is the figurative cup of God's right wrath he has in response to his people's real wrongs and sins in this world. And that means that this statement then shows us that very clearly Jesus knows what his cross is. He knows what he's going to. And it's amazing because so far we have the I am willingly going to this crucifixion, to this cross, but why? Or better yet, what was the cross that he knew he was going to? Well, Jesus understood that the cross coming up was where he would take upon himself and drink God's judgment. The Father had given the Son the cup of his very judgment, of the right wrath that his people deserve, and Jesus knew he was willingly going to suffer and drink that cup himself. Which finally leads us to our third and last section this morning. And this, is, and this is the center here. And this is where it all comes together in a way, even in just this story. And so, so far we have the I am going to the cross. He's, he's willingly going to be tortured so that he can take God's right judgment that his people deserve upon himself. But still, why, why do that? Well, for that, now finally look at verses 7 through 9. And so remember, in verse 6, Jesus said, I am. They just fell to the ground, which leads to this dialogue, verses 7 through 9. So he asked them again, whom do you seek? And they said, Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus answered, I told you that I am. So if you seek me, let these men go. This was to fulfill the word that he had spoken of these whom you gave me, I have not lost one. And now, in those verses, I hope you're already maybe starting to see the somewhat hidden beauty in what's there. And to be clear, the Apostle John, especially in his book, often does this. He, he states things that subtly have huge meanings. And so it is here. Because what does Jesus say in verse 8? Well, he basically says that he, the I am, is giving himself up. And why? Well, he says, if you seek me, let these men go. In other words, Jesus knows what's going on. He knows what he's doing. He knows that they're here for him. And so he says, look, you're here to eventually punish me. And because of that, these men can go. And that, brothers and sisters, in a nutshell, that really is the cross. That is the center of the good news of Jesus. Jesus, the I am, willingly goes and drinks the cup of God's judgment that God's people deserve. And why? Also that we, God's people, can amazingly go free. And to be clear, in case you think that we're over-interpreting John here or Jesus' answer here, that being Jesus' subtle point is actually confirmed by what John writes in verse 9. Because notice, John says that what John sees what Jesus is doing here is more than just letting his disciples not be arrested. Rather, John narrates how Jesus was willingly arrested and went to the cross, and then John says that that all fulfilled the fact that God will not let his people get lost. <laughs> you see that? It's amazing. And so back to our question then of, why then did Jesus do this? Why did the I am willingly drink the cup of God's judgment? Well, also that for those who are his, Jesus will not lose one. He did it so that God Almighty, who has his people, can rightly deal with the judgment they deserve and forgive them. And God's people then, with that happening, will never be lost because their sins are really forever forgiven. 
Which means for for you and I here tonight that if we trust in Jesus and are therefore in God's people, then we can and we should look at that cross, at that awful cross, and we should see it as a symbol and a sign that we will never be lost. Why, Why will I, why will you never be lost? Because Jesus really went to that cross. Because Jesus knew what he was doing. That's what he was doing at the cross. He took what his people deserve. He drank our cup so that we can go free, never being lost forever. And so, brothers and sisters, that is our Jesus. Again, that's the gospel. And that's why, bringing this full circle now, we can really call this Good Friday. Because again, if we look at the cross from the painful suffering angle only, it might seem awful to call this good. Because the cross is tragic. It is unjust. It is the most evil thing that has ever happened. As God himself and a fully righteous man was sinfully shamed and mocked and spit on and tortured and killed. And yet, what we see explained to us by God himself in his word is that in history, it was the God-man himself who went through all that and he knew exactly what he was doing. He was, he is God, he was going willingly to drink the cup, and he suffered so that we can go free. It's an amazing Savior we have, church. And so let's believe this, let's believe that this is all true, and then knowing it to be true, let's continue to trust this Jesus with our sin and throughout our lives. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's pray, and then we'll take the Lord's Supper together. Let's pray.